right, greetings. Welcome to the first podcast of White Collar Crimes for the year 2023. I'm Ryan Horn, your host. Hope you've had a great Christmas and New Year. I certainly did. Although, uh, if you recall, during Christmas time, we did the bonus episode on Mr. Bankman Freed being released on bail, and it was uh, quite frigid and snow in our area, and had our first white Christmas in 12 years, actually, where I live. Although it gets cold sometimes at Christmas, we very rarely get snow in the southern Illinois area, and uh, we got some this year, which, you know, to qualify for a white Christmas, it is said that you have to have at least an inch of snow on the ground. doesn't actually have to snow on Christmas. That's a big misconception people have that, you know, in order for it to count, it has to actually snow on Christmas. That is not true. Uh, Christmas Day was very cold in my area, but it was sunny, actually, but the snow was still on the ground because the frigid temperatures we had had the days before kept the snow on the ground, which, you know, the overwhelming majority of the country, in my understanding, here in America had very frigid temperatures. So if you're listening to this from the United States, I would say you had a pretty chilly Christmas too, but we're glad you're aboard here for this one in the new year. This one is a little bit of a follow-up episode that we had. Uh, If you remember about a month ago, we did one on the Elizabeth Holmes case and her co-conspirator, her co-defendant in this, and also her lover, Ramesh Sunny Bawani, uh, was also recently sentenced and a little bit of background on him. Uh, he was born in 1965 in Pakistan, and he is, as I said, he's a convicted fraudster along with his lover and Theranos uh, part, uh, partner, Theranos partner, Elizabeth Holmes. And uh, we'll do a little talk a little bit about his case. And he uh, was also the one that came up with her along with the uh, one prick blood test that would scan and supposedly check for all types of illnesses and they uh the theranos company made a you know millions and millions of dollars on this uh you know making both uh mr bawani and elizabeth holmes very very rich people although uh it was it came with some suspect even out of the gate a lot of people in the medical community claimed that it was not possible to do what it was claiming and neither Mr. Bawani or Elizabeth Holmes had backgrounds in the medical profession, but nonetheless, they launched this and were able to make a lot of money out of this. Now, like Elizabeth Holmes, uh, Mr. Bawani was born into a family of wealth and privilege. Uh, Many white-collar criminals are usually born at least into middle-class backgrounds. Some are, you know, come from poor backgrounds, but the majority of them do not, you know, and that's something that's different from white collar crime. I think a lot of people would think that, you know, because let's face it in street crime, most of the offenders do come from, you know, poor or, you know, working class backgrounds. And most people would think in white collar crime that the offenders would as well. And that's what, you know, motivate their greed and lust for money. But that's actually not the case. A lot of poor folks, you know, don't graduate on to white collar crime. You know, many of them get involved in street crimes and things like that, the ones that do offend and get engaged in criminal behavior. But, you know, surprisingly, a lot of folks from poor and, you know, working class backgrounds do not pursue white collar crime. So he, she, he also came from a privileged background. You remember me telling you she was a descendant of the uh, Fleischmann yeast uh, empire. And he came from a, you know, pretty wealthy background as well. Now, his family did later locate, relocate from Pakistan to India, 
uh, before finally settling in the United States in 1987. So he's, you know, a grown man at this point. He's already at age 22, roughly, when he arrives in the United States. Now, he attended the University of Texas at Austin, but at this time he left without completing his degree, which, you know, that's not that uncommon either in the business world. Tons of, you know, very successful business people, you know, did not graduate college or left beforehand. Uh, Steve Jobs is a notable one, the Apple founder, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook founder, and uh, Bill Gates, the Microsoft founder, you know, on and on. Several of them, you know, leave without completing their degrees. It's not that uncommon in the business world. You know, if you want to go into the medical profession or, you know, say the legal profession, you're wanting to be a doctor or a lawyer, well, (laughs) you can't drop out and, uh, you know, go into the business without completing your degree. But, you know, in the business world, you don't need a college degree to succeed. If you have very good business skills and acumen and a good plan and a marketable one, you know, you can succeed without that. So that's not that uncommon um but he and and, you know that's the other thing too that's a big you know misconception about white collar criminals many would think that you know the overwhelming majority of white collar criminals are college graduates but that also is not true we covered this last year when this podcast launched and you know the majority of white collar criminals it's uh I think in the high 50s percent wise that uh, do not finish college. They have some college, but most of them are not college grads, your white collar criminals. So again, kind of another misconception people have. These are criminals that generally, uh, you know, they do have a college background, a lot of them, but most of them don't finish. And probably the reason why, as I stated, you know, if they're, they've got a good business plan going. And unfortunately, a lot of these guys we're talking about on this podcast, they have a good scheme going and You know, they don't so much need that education, so they uh, travel down that path and down that road. But, uh, you know, that's actually not that unusual. Now, he would later return and complete his degree. uh, But as I said, at the time, his first go-around, he did not. And he got into the tech industry in the 1990s, uh, particularly starting out for Microsoft. And, you know, those of us that were around and old enough to remember the 90s, those were my college years. You know, we can remember that was when tech really started to truly become a thing. You know, the Internet was uh, becoming a boom, as they call it, the dot-com boom. And then we also had cell phones that were starting to really become a thing. Uh, Social media wasn't out then. Uh, didn't influence the world certainly like it does now, but uh, technology was really kind of starting to take hold, and that was really becoming uh, something that a lot of people, especially people that wanted to make money, could uh, dive into. And, and that was a time for sure, just as now, if you had a very good marketable idea, the technology was there to help you launch it and send it into the stratosphere and uh, bring your product and to the next level and make you a very rich person. And a lot of people sought out to do that at that time, and a lot of people did do that at that time. Of course, like any type of other business in the free market, you know, a lot of people do seek out and fail, you know, not for lack of effort or, you know, not because of a bad idea, just, you know, for whatever reason, the idea that they have doesn't catch on and, you know, they don't make it. But uh, this certainly was a time and, you know, one of the early breeding grounds for opportunities like that. And it's during this time he met Elizabeth Holmes, and it was reported when they met, he was 37, and she was about 18. So you're talking, you know, he's over twice her age at this point, you know, biologically at least, old enough to be her father. Uh, And 
It's not said when exactly they got romantically involved, but at some point they did, despite the age difference. And, uh, you know, eventually they became an item. Now, he joined her, and when they started Theranos in 2009, so they, you know, had known each other for a little while at this point, and he became the company's president, and not just really like in name only, but he really became kind of the hands-on guy and the guy that was in charge of the day-to-day operations of the business. He was the one that uh, really got uh, the company going in what they needed to do. He wasn't just a figurehead, you know, because we see that a lot of times. Just because somebody is the president of a company doesn't mean they actually do the legwork to keep that company going. You know, sometimes very rich, wealthy people have that title and name only, and, you know, they pay people to actually do the work and the legwork for them. That apparently was not the case uh, with Sonny here. He was uh, able to actually be the hands-on, day-to-day guy for the company. And as I said, it became a very successful company, you know. It was a pitched idea, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, medical is always a concern of people, the medical situations, and uh, people wanted to find out. And, you know, a lot of people don't like having to do blood tests, you know, pricking their finger, diabetics, and other illnesses. And, you know, the less tests you have to do like that, the possible, so they, the better. So they come out claiming something's possible to test all these different illnesses with just one simple prick test. And it got a mountain of attention from a lot of people. And that was something that, uh, grabbed a lot of headlines and got a lot of people interested and they got a lot of startup money and a lot of uh, venture capitalists were willing to get involved and make a lot of money with this so uh, and he was the hands-on day-to-day guy that was making that happen as I said neither really had a background in medicine or science but through good marketing and you know good business acumen which both of them had they had backgrounds they came from you know of sort uh, they were able to make this really go and make this a really popular thing but nonetheless uh, the company did as I said soar to heights that uh, you know made Miss Holmes a billionaire and made uh, Mr. Bawani certainly a very rich man as well but as we also know the uh, claims they had were proven false by researchers and medical industry insiders and they began to get investigated by the SEC Security and Exchange Committee Commission in 2018 now uh, the suspicion if you remember when we talked about Miss Holmes on her podcast the suspicion with her started around uh, if I'm recalling correctly around 2015 you know they kind of started to get on the radar but they had about a good six-year run here before uh, they got too much on, you know, anybody's radar, at least the Fed's radar. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty good run, and that allowed them to make an enormous amount of money. Now, Bilwani, like Ms. Holmes, he was indicted on charges of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Now, prosecutors believe the two defrauded investors and patients. Now, what we also mentioned on uh, Ms. Holmes's podcast, the strange thing was they were not found to have, you know, when the courts had their say in it, to have actually violated any of the rights of the patients, just the investors. The investors were defrauded, not the patients, which is odd because if the investigation into this, you know, said they proved that this did not do what they claimed it would do, you know, just in my opinion, that should mean that the uh patients were defrauded just as well as the investors. I get, you know, the investors were, you know, 
conned into this as well, thinking they're investing in the next great thing medically and, you know, finding out later it doesn't do what it says it does. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of patients, you know, overwhelmingly that were hoodwinked on this because this would not have reached anywhere near the level of success it did if a lot of patients and a lot of uh, common folk did not buy this. But over and over and over again, we see in white-collar crime, that's who gets victimized in these cases. It's always the, you know, average Joe or Joan that, uh, you know, Johnny Sixpack, the one that uh, invests his or her hard-earned money into something, and that's who ends up getting screwed on this. And it's really sad that that's the way this ends up happening oftentimes, but uh, sadly it does. Now, Sonny himself was found guilty of all the counts that were against him. Now, they were tried separately, uh, even though they were co-defendants in this case. He did get a separate trial uh, from what Miss Holmes got. And he was found guilty of all counts against him back on July 7th of this year, or last year now, 2022. And we're back, you know, we're kind of in that phrase, how many out there, for, you know, the first uh, probably couple weeks of this new year, we'll continue to write 2022 down on something, say at work, or, you know, if you're writing out a check or something like that. It usually takes me a good two or three weeks into a new year before I uh, realize, you know, I'm no longer in the other one, so... Yeah, and July 7th of 2022, you know, we're talking last year now, he was found guilty of all the counts against him. And, uh, you know, just a few short weeks ago, on December 7th, 2022, he was sentenced to 12 years and 11 months, plus three years of mandatory supervised release, or as I've said before, in many states, this is federal we're talking about, but in many states use that term as well. In Illinois, where I'm at, they do. But basically what it means is just the old parole. You know, a parole officer, you know, is going to supervise his release and Miss Holmes. I believe she also got three years of uh, mandatory supervised release or parole. And, you know, they'll check their status. They'll, you know, most likely be subjected to drug testing, uh, maybe counseling if it's ordered, um, employment, uh, curfews, electronic monitoring, you know, it's just like probation or, you know, or prob- parole is a lot like probation in these conditions. And there's a chance uh, those will be the conditions of these two whenever they are released. And, you know, they're both young enough. Uh, he's only in his 50s and, you know, Miss Holmes is in her late 30s. So they are both going to see the light of day, you know, and still be fairly young when they're released. Although uh, Mr. Bowani, you know, he's looking at being, you know, pushing the age of 70 or so when he's released. So, you know, he, he'll be a little bit older, but there's a very good chance he will live and survive to see this. So he will be out again. But that's the uh, sentence that he got. Now, he's not scheduled to surrender himself to release until March 15th of this year. So we're talking, you know, about two and a half months from now. Now, you know, a lot could happen between now and then. People with money like what he has, uh, they're able to, uh, you know, flee the country and go to a country that doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States and hide out. You know, we've seen that happen before. Uh, who knows? Um, who knows if he'll decide to be a fugitive and flee, but, uh, the, uh, courts are giving him that opportunity to, I don't know, maybe get his affairs in order before he does report. And that does happen sometimes, although it usually happens with more, you know, more wealthy people in my years working in the criminal justice system. I've very rarely seen, uh, any of the poor folk be given, you know, this much time before they have to report. Normally they're sentenced and, you know, from court, the cuffs are slapped on them and they're transported back to jail. And then shortly thereafter, eventually to the prison they will be taken to. But uh, that's not the case here. He is being uh, given a chance to get his affairs in order before he will uh, 
go on to report and, uh, you know, schedule serving his sentence. And then when this 12, almost 13 years is up, he'll, you know, have three years of reporting to his parole officer. So got a ways to go, as does Miss Holmes. But, you know, again, they're both going to be able to see the light of day. And in her case, she got a similar sentence. She'll be still a fairly young woman, although a mom, as we know, uh, you know, she recently gave birth and uh, is pregnant again, if I recall correctly. So who knows how the life will turn out for the kids, but, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is where they're at. And uh, he is given that day, so, you know, if something happens, we certainly, in March, will uh, keep you updated on that podcast if he does fail to report or anything like that. Uh, prior to his conviction, though, he was, it was said that his net worth uh, was about said to be in around the area of about $80 million. You know, no uh, small chump change here. Now, I don't know how much of his assets or income or anything like that were frozen, but that's what was reported of him. Now, you know, Miss Holmes was reported to be a billionaire, uh, but, you know, she was the founder of the company where, you know, he was just the president. So, you know, and he did the, you know, the legwork of it, but, you know, it was her idea, I guess, so uh, she got the majority of the pay, but, you know, $80 million is nothing to sneeze at, you know, I mean, $80,000 is good money, so, you know, I can only imagine having $80 million, but that's said to be his net worth. Um, as I said, who knows what uh, venture, uh, business ventures will await these two when they are released, if we're, you know, still podcasting then, who knows, maybe we can do a little, uh, a little follow-up on that at that point. Uh, sadly, though, these two probably aren't the last to use the medical profession and industry to defraud folks, uh, whether it be patients or investors. And uh, we probably haven't seen the last of anyone doing that. And as long as people are sick and vulnerable, you know, it's big business. And, and the medical industry is, you know, that's why we've, you know, we've covered several uh, medical uh, cases involving white-collar crime on this podcast and uh, probably will be, you know, more in the future because, sadly, there's so much easy money to be made in that. Uh, it's a target. White-collar criminals uh, act as predators, and, you know, many see the medical industry as a way to uh, make this money because uh, the medical industry accounts for about one-sixth, if I recall right, of the entire United States economy. So, uh you know, it's big money here. You know, if you're listening from another country, uh, you understand the medical industry is huge in this country. It makes up a huge chunk of our economy, and that's, uh, you know, unfortunately going to target or, you know, it's going to allow white-collar criminals. It's going to cause them to target that industry to uh, make a quick buck, and that's what we saw happen here, and we have so many times before. And as I said, you never know, but most likely that next snake oil salesman is just lurking around the corner with the next big thing, and, uh, you know, it's going to, uh, you know, wreak havoc and probably swindle, you know, thousands of innocent uh, people once again. Uh, Hopefully not, but, you know, let's face it, it's not a matter of if this happens again, but when. So, so look, we're going to, you know, we've covered medical and a lot of other things. We've got some podcasts coming up. down the road in the next few weeks, I'm going to do one uh, on some organ, a couple probably on some organized crime figures. Uh, one being Meyer Lansky, the uh, mobster who was the mob's accountant and you know basically helped set up and found Las Vegas. Uh, and we all know what Vegas uh, is famous for. And we're also going to do one. I know we have a lot of listeners from Australia, and some of you might recall an organized crime figure in your country called uh, named George Freeman. And uh, we're going to do an episode on him in the next few weeks and uh, maybe even some others from other countries so far we've you know stayed mostly in the united states but you know i know from the 
data we get. We do have a lot of listeners from other countries, and uh, we want to maybe, you know, make sure you all get to hear about some of the cases from your countries as well. And as I always say, if you do have an idea for a show, uh, please email me at uh, ryanhornvt at gmail.com. Uh, like our Facebook page, White Collar Crimes. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify or whenever you listen to. Uh, share the episodes. Make sure people get them around and hear them. Um, if you want to be on the guest on this show, you are certainly welcome to do that. We've had several people on this show be guests, and we uh, would love to have you you know, as a guest on this show. And, uh, you know, if you have voiceover work needed, I'm always willing to do that. You can contact me with that. And also check out my uh, website at ryan-horn.com. Like I said, just had an uh, audio book come out in Danger of Judgment that's out on Audible and Amazon. A uh, couple more coming out here at the beginning of the year, so I'll keep you posted on that. Just had two adorable Yorkies. Uh, if you follow our Facebook page, uh, we had them adopted uh, here recently. Wife and I fostered them, and uh, you know they found homes before Christmas. So we always encourage you to adopt your pet at your next uh, at your local shelter. Your next best friend is waiting for you there, and uh, volunteer and help your shelter out if you can't adopt one. Uh, just do what you can. To help support them and uh you know keep an eye out if we have any fosters coming up we'll certainly appreciate any help you can give us in finding homes for them so as i always say too be sure to look out and watch out for your friends and family the elderly a lot of scams out there they're often scammed the most so please keep an eye out for all your friends and family we thank you for having our back and watching us and are tuning in to us each week on this podcast and we look forward to seeing you again next week god bless and take care